We are Vlad and Julie from Chasing Embers. And you're listening to The Mind of Little Rage. Enjoy. It's time to get loud and get heard on another episode of The Mind of Little Rage. And now your host, Charles Little Rage Alley. Welcome everyone to another edition of the Mind of Little Rage and on today's program we're going to New York with Jeff from the band Ray Gun Girls and they released their eighth full-length album so the band has got some some tenure behind it it's been around for a while (laughs) and without any further ado Jeff from Ray Gun Girls how are you doing today sir? Hey man, already doing fine. Great. So let's let's get this one out of the way. So Reagan Girls has been around since two thousand three, but since two thousand nine, it's been a one man project. Can can you go into some detail about that? Sure, absolutely. In uh, two thousand three, I started with a friend of mine. We were. Um, bored with the project that we were in at the time which was a heavy metal thing so we wanted to do something a little more electronic different and uh we did some music got a whole band together started touring did all the stuff got signed to an indie label um put out a record and then but that was right at the end where uh the record business was starting to crash so that label went under and uh i had my third heart surgery in 2009 so uh, that's where my playing live uh, ended. Oh. So I only record now. Yeah. Wow. Um, God, that's that's got to be that's got to be like getting hit in the balls with a sledgehammer. Yeah, it was tough. It was definitely tough. Um, I had the surgery in two thousand nine. It was an emergency surgery. Uh, the third, the the first two weren't emergencies. The third one was. Um, and, uh, I didn't pick up a guitar for almost two years and didn't realize I was in a deep depression until the end of 2010 and realized I hadn't picked up my guitar or done any music or anything like that. Luckily, the guys in the band, uh, were my friends before they were in the band. Well, uh, the bassist was, and so he still is. Uh, so it was easy to just, everybody just went their own ways after and, um, and I decided I got to make music again. And I really like the name, the Raygun Girls. I made the music anyway before, so I just kept the name and kept going. So that that's it's an interesting name for a band, Raygun Girls. <laughs> where where did that come from? Um, 
It's really not an exciting story. <laughs> it's the name Half of the song. Half of them really aren't anyway. No, no. <laughs> it's it's the name of a song by a band called the Clay People. Uh, they were sort of getting kind of big in the '90s. Um, it was a type of music called Cold Wave. It was sort of more metal than industrial, but had industrial elements to it. Um, and there were lots of bands coming up at that time. Um, and they're from. They just happen to be from New York, also. But uh, the album they came out with, the self-titled album they came out with in the mid-90s was amazing. And it was exactly the kind of music I wanted to make. told my friend who we were make, I was making music with. And we went, we picked that song because it was the, the, the catchiest name. Um, and if, for those who notice, Ray Gun is spelled incorrectly. It's supposed to be two words, but it's one word uh, because that's how they did it. Um, but yeah, that's pretty much the only story there is. <laughs> Hey, it's a story. That's that's the most important thing. It, you know, even if it's just, you know, I just I was I was asleep. I had a dream. There it was. You know, <laughs> every every band name has a, a starting point. has has a story behind it, and you know, some of them are spectacular. Most of them are just kind of normal, and that's okay. It's, <laughs> there's no problem with that. So with um, with the dissolution of the the band aspect and, and the, the gigging aspect of it. Uh, you mentioned that you kind of went in or went into a, a depression mm-hmm. to me that, that kind of signifies and, and re- reaffirms my belief that, you know, the, the power of music and it, it's powerful. And can you, can you speak a little bit more on that on, on, on how music has, has helped you get past that? Oh, absolutely. Um, well, uh, aside from having a heart condition, um, I also am autistic. So uh, depression is part of both of those things. Um, and music, I, I, I attached to music at a super early age. Um, I grew up in a house. My, my uncles had tons of records. Um, so I would go through them uh, as soon as I could walk um, and and be able to move the records and put them on the t- turntable. So I, I grew up with Queen, uh, Blue Oyster Cult, Sex Pistols, Ramones. Those are the ones that I would steal from them and put on my little record player and play constantly throughout the day. Um, and so I, I became attached to music. I mean, the, um, I, I, it In the morning, I need something energetic to get me up like acdc get me out of bed um or ramones the right song in the summertime in the fall you want to hear some typo negative um you know uh and when you want to go to sleep you want to listen to maybe some pink floyd um but uh yeah the great thing about making the music is that i'm getting a lot of the aggression out in in the kind of vocals that i have um I get to scream. I get to yell. I, I, you know, and that's that's a great feeling, a great healthy way to uh, to stay level. <laughs> oh, ab- absolutely. I'm I'm an angry I'm an angry son of a bitch. That's that's all there is to it. You know, I'm I don't have <laughs> I don't have a Napoleon complex, but you know, I get those looks like goddamn he's short. You know, and it's just like what the f- I had no choice in this, but. Uh, uh, you know, music has been that outlet, you know, to to just, you know, ha- get that that aggression, that that anger out. 
and it's healthy. It very, it very much is healthy, but, uh, it, it, and we kind of touched on it already, but who were the major influences? You know, you mentioned queen and, and the Ramones and sex pistols, ACDC, but if, if you could narrow it down to maybe five or six, uh, of your biggest ones, <laughs> I know it's hard. <laughs> um, well, it, it also depends on what kind of music I'm making. So, um, I actually have two bands, right? Today we're talking about the Reagan Girls, um, which is uh, has electronic elements to it. It's a little on the goth side. So when I'm getting ready to make Reagan Girls music, I sometimes listen to maybe KMFDM, Typo Negative, um, Nine Inch Nails, um, that side of the music. Uh, I, I try to listen to that to sort of get me in the right mood, find the right uh, beat that I want to get to, uh, to use. Um, and then I have another band, one man band, Titanosaur, which is really heavy metal. Um, and so for that, I'm listening to, well, it, it's also, it's punk rock, hard rock, heavy metal, somewhere in between. So I listen to Danko Jones. I listen to Motorhead, um, uh, Anthrax, that kind of music for that, to get me in the mood for that kind of music. So, um, it really depends. Uh, I've got so many influences. I listen to music constantly. Um, it's tough to really pick just five. <laughs> uh, no, I, I and I get you. And and you named some some definite heavyweights in, in that that list that you did. And and you're right. And you know, depending on what mood, what what season of the year we're in, you know, plays a big role in in what you listen to. Uh, you, I find myself, or I call myself musically bipolar. I can listen to just about anything. And as long as it's got integrity and feel to it, if I can relate to it, if I can connect with it, it stays with me forever. And it sounds like you're kind of along the lines of, of, you know, we, we share a common bond there, you know, <laughs> being able to listen to a wide variety of music. But with Ray Gun Girls, one thing that I noticed when I was listening to the music is it does have that, that hard rock or heavy metal feel to it, but there's also quite a heavy bit of, of industrial or goth uh, aspect to it. And, and I, I was even picking up on a little bit of punk as well. And uh, you know, you mentioned nine inch nails and KMFDM, you know, both, you know, you know, pioneers i guess you could say of of what we would call modern industrial whether it be industrial metal or, or what have you i'm a fan of both of those bands uh where did where did that uh, when was the first time that that industrial uh aspect of your music really start to, to come into play um well in in, in high school i uh i was introduced to ministry Nine Inch Nails, uh, Pretty Hate Machine came out. Hell yeah. Um, uh, Ministries, uh, Mind is a Terrible Thing to Taste came out mm -hmm. when I was in high school. Yep, yep. Um, so that just blew me away. And then I had friends who introduced me to Killing Joke, um, Ex Extremities, that album is amazing, um, and Skinny Puppy. Um, so... It, before that, I was I was living in uh, upstate New York uh, for high school, and it, 
classic rock radio. So you would hear Led Zeppelin constantly, Santana constantly, which I, I like also. So that's what I grew up with. And, and uh, Black Sabbath and, and, you know, basic classic rock, heavy rock. Um, and then I heard this stuff, which was like pure electronics. And then everyone, well, Nine Inch Nails didn't really have too much heavy guitar at that time. But uh, Ministry did in the background. Um, it was just crazy and mind-opening for me. Um, so that's when it started, my, my love of it. <laughs> and then uh, when I was making the, the music with my friend in 2003, he was also more industrial, more electronic. Um, at that time in the late 90s, that was um, in the early 2000s. Um, I was listening to Crystal Method, uh, Juno Reactor, a lot of electronica and dance and that kind of music. And and he was also, so we wanted to have that kind of beat, something much more electronic. But I'm a guitar player. I don't know how to play piano. I don't know how to play synths. Um, and that's what he did. So it was just the two of us. So we decided to go electronic. Why not? <laughs> so all those yeah, influences came in there. There's a lot of elitists out there. And for a while, I was one of them. And I finally, you know, I finally wised up. I don't think I did that <laughs> till I was, you know, maybe in my 20s or something like that. But, uh, you know, with with uh, with bands like Nine Inch Nails, who were, at least in my opinion, were more uh, more of that in that electronic. They didn't have the heavy guitars. You know, the the first thing I heard was a Head Like a Hole from Nine Inch Nails. Of course, it was on MTV all over the place. <laughs> And, and I, I was like, hey, you know, it's okay. But when I really started to appreciate the industrial aspect of metal, you know, the industrial metal and, and things of that nature was uh, Psalm 69. Mm. And then that opened the door for band, for me to go check out bands like Fear Factory and, you know, the the more guitar driven but still had that that nice industrial aspect to it uh you know i I arrived to the game late but better late than never well yeah yeah (laughs) and uh you know I, i it was after that i'm just like you know what as long as the music connects with with me or connects with the listener and the band themselves this this is what they had in mind this is what they wanted to do who says it's wrong? Who says it's 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 not good? And I, you know, I just like I can't I can't do this elitist stuff anymore. <laughs> yeah, Fear Factory is uh, I love Fear Factory. The the album Obsolete, which is uh, celebrating I think it's thirtieth anniversary, something like that. That's probably my favorite Fear Factory album. Absolutely, that was the first one I got, and I've been listening to it uh, like nonstop ever since. Uh, what you know 98 99 something like that um yeah it's an amazing album um their last album is also really really great has some great stuff on it um so yeah i love fear factory i I actually got to see fear factory on their with uh was it uh was the first album i just blanked uh shoot it's not fears the mind killer that's that's the remix yeah yeah well it, it was it was uh sepultura fear factory Oof. and fudge tunnel wow 
<laughs> and I I had never heard Fear Factory. We went to go see Sepultura. And, you know, Fudge Tunnel come on. We're like, okay, they're kind of cool. And then as soon as Fear Factory started putting their stuff up, I saw a keyboard. I'm like, no, uh-uh, fuck this. This is not good. Keyboards, no. <laughs> and they, they went into that first song. And me and my buddy Blake, we were on the balcony. And we both looked at each other and ran in opposite directions to get to the pit. <laughs> uh, we we ran at full fucking blast. And uh, I, I've been a Fear Factory fan ever since. And uh, it, it's, you know, it's it's part of the growing up process. You've got to open up your mind to different different music. And, you know, being in the rock or, or hard rock, punk, metal genres... You don't know, you don't, a lot of times you just don't hear people saying, yeah, I like EDM or I like house music or, or, you know, trap music or anything like that. But, you know, if you're not willing to go and, and look at other genres and experience them, I I think it takes away the, um, musicianship from your music. Yeah. Yeah. You, as a musician, you don't want to be stuck in a, in a box because it gets boring. Um, and it's, you really need your fans to follow you. Like personally, I liked Red Hot Chili Peppers, the first couple of albums. They grew. I didn't like where they went, but they had a lot of fans who did like where they went. And that was great. They grew, they changed and they had success even in their, uh, more calmer days. But, uh, yeah, every band needs to, every musician needs to be able to grow or else, um, it gets stale, and and you don't want to be on stage playing this the same. <laughs> it's hard to say, but you don't you don't want to be on stage playing the same song fifty years later, but you don't want to be doing it the same way, like you know because like like I know uh, is it bluish uh, deep purple they're still touring, you know, and they're still pl- having to play songs from thirty years ago. But I'm sure that they don't play it the same exact way. I mean, obviously, the singer doesn't sing it the same way. So you've got to be able to grow and change a little bit. Well, I, I, that's part of the evolutionary process, I think, yes. with bands. You know, you can you can take one, uh, you know, that, that was met with a lot of, of backlash. You know, Metallica going from, oh, yeah. you know, the first four albums, first four classic albums, and then the Black album. And a lot of people were kind of scratching their heads. were like, oh, okay, it still sounds like Metallica. Then they drop load and reload, and the people are like, what in the fuck are you doing? <laughs> but that's where the band wanted to go. That was a natural part of the evolution. They wanted to expand their sound a little bit. And, you know, people shit on those those albums, load and reload. And, you know, it took me a while to come around, but there's there's some badass songs on those two albums. Mm-hmm. And it, it actually, my respect for Metallica as a band grew because of that. Yeah. Yeah. I've, um, I've, I've always been, I've never had a problem with the band changing. Like I, I had no problem with load and reload. Um, yeah. I've, there are some songs in there that I find quite corny, but I like listening to them. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I'm not going to stand up on a stage and say, give me fuel, give me fire, give me that, which I desire. <laughs> but if James wants to, it's the rest of the music sounded great. And the rest of the song is it, I want to drive my car really fast to it. So I, but you, you know, uh, and a song off of that is the house that Jack built. 
I, you know, me being a drummer, I love playing that song mm. behind the drum kit. It's just fun for me to play. I can, you know, beat the shit out of my drum kit, <laughs> you know, and, and just, just have fun with it. But when was there a, a drastic change with Reagan girls going from the band aspect to the one, one man project? There actually was, um, because my surgery, uh, unfortunately left my right arm, my strumming arm. Um, they, they had to cut in through the side of my chest. So that, um, messed up my scapula, which sort of controls your arm a little bit and the muscles were really out of whack. So it took me a long time to be able to strum again, the way I used to like, uh, in the album that came out in 2009 that we recorded in 2008, Dirt Collector, there's some songs where I'm strumming pretty fast for, for me, uh, like Learning to Die. Um, and I wasn't able to play that fast. So the first thing that came out after uh, the surgery, so in 2011, I had this album that I decided to put out, The Taker. And it's really very heavy metal. It's more grunge. It's very, it, it's a lot less electronic. Because I couldn't go fast, I was very, because of the medication that I was on, I was also very drudgy. Um, so everything was moving like that. But I needed to do something. I needed to get something out there. I needed to learn how to record. I needed to learn the everything, the, the business online, because I'm doing it all myself. So it was a whole learning process, and that was definitely an album that was much more hard rock, much more grunge. Um and then after that, went back to, to putting some more electronic elements and then finding exactly what I wanted to do on my own uh, as the Ray Gun Girls. Okay. So you were talking about, you know, not, be, not being able to use your strumming hand, uh, you know, and, and you know, I, I spent 17 years in the profession of physical therapy. So I've, mm-hmm. you know, I, I, to, I can totally relate to what you're saying. I've, I've had patients that, you know, come in with all kinds of ailments and it takes a while and yep. you see somebody come in back. I'll just take, for instance, a, a knee surgery and somebody who loves to play golf and they're not able to do it. And you see in their face and in their eyes and in their body language that, that battle with depression. I can't do what I love to do. So when you see them eight, 10 months, a year, two years later, and they're back doing what they, they love, there's that light in their eyes again. There's there, you know, there's a smile on their face and it's such a wonderful thing. And me being such a, a, a music nut that when, when you can see that and hear that in the music, Wow, that is such an amazing thing. Uh, so how long did it take for you to be able to to get back to where you were were able to play your guitar the way you wanted to play it? Um, well, uh, so uh, be, about two years, um, because after the taker uh, and I learned the whole process and how to do everything as well as I could at that time, um, so I had to re-record things over and over again. So that was practice for my arm and my hand and getting faster and faster. 
And then the album after that, the self-titled album, I've got some pretty fast songs because I really wanted to push myself. It's a little sloppy because I'm not really ready there yet. But uh, it's definitely got, yeah, about two and a half years it took for my uh, my shoulder, my arm muscles to get back to where I wanted them to be. And, with and some, it's with a some great thing, there. muscle memory. That's all I'm going to yeah. say there. Yeah. Yeah. You know, because even though the muscles, you know, they're not working like you want to, the, 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 the communication between the brain and the muscles, it's still there. That The brain still remembers, hey, this is what we used to do. Yeah. We can do it again. So that's all. I'll tell you what. Let's go ahead and take our first break and listen to the first song we're going to have on today. This is called This Is Hell, and we'll be right back more with Jeff from Reagan Girls. So stay tuned.
All right, we are back with Jeff from Raygun Girls, and we just listened to This Hell. What can you tell us about this song? Um, so in when uh, you asked about the influences a while ago, I, I, for some reason I always forget one of the major influences that I have is Killing Joke. Um, and this song was pretty much stolen right from them. <laughs> I think. I think it is. Uh <laughs> Because um, the older they've gotten, the more aggressive and faster that a lot of their songs have gotten. Um, if you listen to the last two albums, it's like, oh my God, that is real heavy shit there. Um, and um, yeah, so uh, there's that aspect to it. which And they are considered post-punk um, because they came out right after, uh, well, they actually came out at the same time as Sex Pistols, but... But they became bigger right after the, that punk era came. And then they were sort of in the goth era. Um, but they kept going and adding electronics and then getting heavier and heavier and heavier. Um, so uh, this has a lot of punk in it. Um, the speed and the way I'm playing the guitar. Um, but the lyrics themselves is really me, again, fighting the, the constant battle against depression. Um you know, uh, we we make the hell that we live in. You know, uh, either it's a hell or it's not. So, and and I guess basically what you're saying is, you have the choice to make it better or live exactly. in or waller in your own shit. Right, right, right. And that's uh, right in the um, in the bridge section. Uh, there are those lyrics uh, in this hell, anger, depression, despair. Uh, you avoid the signs to beware. I so, love that. I know, love that line. <laughs> the, you're in it because you're avoiding all the signs that are telling you this is coming, this is here. You can change it. That, and, yeah. Take the steps to do it, goddammit. Right. <laughs> no, and, and you're right. And you know, with I, I think that we have as maybe it's part of the human condition. I don't know, but we we tend to kind of waller in our own shit a lot of times. You know, we we and it and it's and it's not a it's maybe subconsciously chosen, but we you know we finally you know have to just say you know what I'm fucking tired of this, and and find something to to put that that negative energy into and get it out. And for, for musicians, this is the perfect way to do it, is just put all of that into your music. So with uh, your two bands, how hard is it for you to balance what everything you have to do for the bands with the marketing and the recording and, and all that stuff and your, and your personal responsibilities? Uh, well, yeah, it, it's it's really tough. Um, I learned what well, I read somewhere about, I don't know, 10 years ago. Um, if, well, maybe five. Uh, if you only spend one hour on Twitter actually engaging with people, then you can make a big, big uh, impact. So I've gone with that, and that's really worked. you got to know exactly when to do it at the right time when the right people are there right. but really <laughs> one hour is really all all you need so that's helped with that um but um 
Yeah, um, sometimes I do have to stay up late recording, um, mixing, um, marketing, uh, you know, uh, because, uh, well, luckily at this point, my girls are 15 and 11 now. So, but back in 2010, when I was recording my first album back from the surgeries, that was really tough. Um, and there were a lot of fights at home between myself and my wife because, uh, because of my heart surgeries, I'm disabled. So I'm home most of the time. I'm the stay at home dad. So that also gave me more time, uh, when the girls started going to school. Um, it's, it's, I do as much as I can when I can. Uh, but that's also why I'm doing a lot of interviews after I release the album instead of like three months before, you know, as they tell you to do, because I'm <laughs> doing what I can do. Well, you know, <laughs> life, life gets in the way sometimes, <clears throat> excuse me, but you know, you can't, you can't drop everything to do a podcast or an interview or television program or anything like that you've got responsibilities that you have to take care of it's not like you can just uh wake up one day and go okay i'm gonna go on a world tour no <laughs> it doesn't work that way it never has worked that way uh and, and you know we have this almost romanticized view of what a life of a musician is it's tough it there's there's you know there's plenty of ups but there's a lot of downs as well and you know, you, you've got, you've got children, you've got a wife, you've got responsibilities, you got to take care of home, you got bills to pay all that other great stuff. So when you have to divide time between your musical aspirations and your personal life, it can be really, really tough. And with you having a, a fairly long history with with the music business if there was one thing you could change about the music business what would it be Oof. i don't know that one's a that, that's a tough one um i i really have no idea how to answer that because uh the music industry has changed the way most people would were wanting to back in you know when when everything went online so it's much more uh, available to everybody the problem is that because it's so much is available to everybody, there are no gatekeepers like there were before. So you have a lot of stuff out there that's subpar. Um, sure. You know, uh, and it's hard to filter out everything because you've got so much coming at you. Um, I, maybe the only thing is to get a better, uh, a better rate from Spotify <laughs> streams. Uh, <laughs> right. You know? <laughs> Um, yeah, yeah, that'll probably be the only thing to get better, uh, to get a better cut of the actual sales that all these companies are, are making for us. And I'm, you know, I'm glad I'm, you mentioned that because one thing that I've kind of preached on this, the, the lifespan of this program is that the musicians need to be compensated for the, their art, their, the, the things that they love to do. It's, it's no different than an actor or uh, a sport, an athlete, you, you expect to be compensated. And with the music industry, you know, you've got, it's great that we've got Spotify and, and Apple music and, and Google and all that great YouTube and all that great stuff. But it seems like the musicians 
are really getting the shaft on their return. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, we, we pay for strings, we pay for the electricity, some some stuff you don't think about. Paying for the electricity, the space. Um, live bands pay for their practice studio area. Um, if you're going into a studio, you got to pay for studio time. Uh, you got to pay for the gas to get to the studio. Um, you got to pay for hotels if the studio is in a different city. Um, you know, a lot of things that, that people don't think about, and and it takes approximately, you know, it takes at least what a week to properly record one song. So yeah. you know, um, and that's usually more than eight hours each day. So how do you split point zero one cent that way? <laughs> uh, you can't. I mean, that's that's. <laughs> Yeah, that's the bottom line for that one. You can't. Right. It, so, it's damn near impossible. So, with you know, with that, I you know, I don't know. I think it's I I, I like the fact that music is a, a keystroke away or a mouse click away, and you know, being able to expose yourself to to bands that are unsigned, they're DIY, they're underground, what whatever moniker you want to put to them. And I've said this before on this program as well, that I would put, I would say the majority of these unsigned bands, all and, and I'm including all, I would put them up against your big time bands, your bands that are national touring acts or world touring acts. These individuals, these musicians have just as much talent, if not more, than those bands that are going around and, and making hundreds of thousands or millions of dollars off of album sales and, and, and touring dates. Would it, would you agree with that? Oh, there are definitely, there are definitely tons of, of bands out there that are, are underground indie, whatever, um, that are definitely better, the same as, or better than some national acts. Absolutely. Um, unfortunately it, it, I, I sometimes sound like an old codger when I say this, but it, it sometimes does come down to, you know, who you know and how uh, how social you are. And not being somebody who can tour, I, the, Twitter is as social as I can get. <laughs> right now, and, and, and you're right. And I think that uh, maybe maybe we're taking a step in the right way are in the right direction because you know you do have Spotify and and Apple where you can go and and listen to music at a at a keystroke, but you got I don't know it just it, it it seems like if you're you're right if you're not touring you, that you're missing out on a on a big chunk of of re, a potential revenue. Oh yeah, definitely. Uh, and and part of the problem for me anyway is because the music I make with the Reagan Girls. I have no idea. Uh, all of these, uh, like Spotify and iTunes, they always ask you, what band do you sound like? I don't know. I sound because, like Ray Gun Girls. Because if I don't if I don't put down a band that somebody else is going to be searching for, then I'm not going to show up in their search. And that's, so, and that's a definite flaw in, in the system. Yeah, it's, it's, it, we shouldn't be... I don't think bands should be having to compare themselves to uh, Metallica or Seven Dust or... Uh, KMFDM or, or Fear Factory. It's you know, come on. It's we the the. Let me get my 
my brain to work here for a second. The purpose of of original music is it for is to be original, be different, be yourself. And if you're having to compare yourself to Killing Joke or ACDC, it's it's kind of taking it's pulling the rug out from underneath you. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, like as far as I'm concerned, uh, I sound like Killing Joke. But how many people know Killing Joke? I mean, they've been around for ages, but especially younger people don't really know Killing Joke. So somebody, so how's somebody going to find me if I put Killing Joke down? It's one of the bands, you know. So it, it, it's it's tough. <laughs> no, and, and you're right. And I, I think that we need to explore not only as musicians, as listeners, but those who are in charge of the streaming services. Hey, let's look into something that's going to set these bands apart these these indie bands these unsigned bands that are that are posting and their music online let's let's find a way to set them apart we don't have to compare them to the big bands they should these bands have the talent and the ability to stand on their own mm-hmm. yeah that'd be nice <laughs> <laughs> yeah i mean like uh again one of the problems with being a one man band is that I don't have input from the outside. So I don't have somebody to go to and ask, what band do you think I sound like? Before I put it on the market. You know, after I put it on. Let me, but let me ask you this. Would, I mean, if, if I was in a band and just off the top of my head, two biggest influences, King's X and, and, and Seven Dust. We'll say that. Okay. Two bands that sound absolutely nothing alike. Uh, I, I I wouldn't. I, I don't know if I would. And and you know, my sound incorporated all that. I don't know if if me personally would like to have somebody say, "Okay, who do I sound like?" Because I would want the answer to be whatever the name of my band is. <laughs> You know, but but at the same time, on the flip side of that coin, you've got to have a starting point, right? Yeah, yeah. Just at least give you an idea of what what road you're traveling down. Exactly. Okay. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I tell you what. Let's go ahead and get into our second song. This one's called "Of Mice of Men and Machine." I almost said mice of men and machine. And when we come back, we will continue our conversation with Jeff from Ray Gun Girl, so stay tuned.
All right, we are back uh, of Men and Machine. When I was going through the album Orphan, this is one of the tracks that stuck out with me nice. uh, on 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 several different levels. I, I love the 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 sound of the guitars. the The vocals are are well done, and again, there's that 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 electronic or industrial aspect to it. Uh, can you go in a little bit in more in depth on what of of Man and Machine is about? Oh, definitely. Um, that was the last song that I wrote for this album. Um, I felt it needed one more song, and um, I was listening to uh, Fear Factory's last album, Genexus, and I love the last song that they have on that album that just goes on and on. Um, it's like eight nine minutes long. Um, so I wanted to do something in that kind of vein. And then I had been watching the new the Star Trek show on CBS All Access, Picard. And so I got the idea, the whole Borg idea, again, uh, comes into play in that show. Um, so that's where the lyrics came from. Uh, and I, uh, th- this was one of the... I rarely have songs where I make up the words as I'm writing it. But this one was one of those where it just came as I was making the music, recording the music for it. So uh, it was one of those natural things. Don't you just love it when that happens? When it just uh, it just all comes together like at one time and it just fits? Well, uh, um, yeah, it's definitely great when, when it just, when everything just snaps together. And uh, uh, yeah, less work. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Amen to that. Now, during these these conversations, I hate to call them interviews because they're really not. During these conversations, I like to ask a kind of a silly question. If and, and the one I chose for you is if you could collaborate with any band or musician, who would it be? Alive or dead? Um, I mean, obviously, my first thought would be Killing Joke, but I know, uh, you know, having followed them and for for years and years, I know that. They're difficult guys to get along with. So I, <laughs> wouldn't that a lot of us are. A lot of musicians are. <laughs> you know, um, I, I'd love to work with Billy Duffy of the Cult. He's sort of a riff master. You know, oh, I love that you said that. I was hoping I would come. Somebody would say the Cult somewhere. <laughs> Absolutely, uh, he's 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 amazing. Um, um, yeah, and uh, uh, Dino from from Fear Factory. Uh, he's got some great rhythms um uh the guitars well actually i think it's the drummer from seven dust that writes a lot of their music morgan yeah morgan he comes up with so many rhythms one of the jokes one of the inside jokes we had when we when the reagan girls was a band uh was uh how many times how many different ways can you play the d note because morgan kept coming up with so many different rhythms because he's a drummer on how to play the drop D note, just tons of different ways for every song. Um, I only came up with like three at the time, <laughs> but, um, <laughs> but you know, and it's funny you mentioned, you know, Billy Duffy. I about jumped out of my seat here when you said that, and and you're right, he is a rap riff master. The he's he's come up with some of the most not only catchy riffs but just memorable riffs. Yes, and solos and. You know, the man has proven that he can go have that that kind of almost new romantic goth sound, especially on like the Love album. Go to something that is 
super bluesy on electric and then have a hybrid on Sonic Temple, which, which kind of brought both of them together. And I love the cult. And, and in speaking on Morgan, he plays drums like a guitarist. Mm. And, and John Connolly has, has said that. He's like, you know, I, John Connolly was a drummer. And he said, you know, I, I, play, I picked up guitar and Morgan plays the drums like a guitarist. Uh, a, lot, a lot of people say that uh, when they saw us live and, and see how things played, that I played my guitar like a bass player. And our, the bass player, my friend George, played like a guitar player. Which was funny because I actually taught George how to play bass so that he could play in the band because he was a singer. So, so is, but, is he pulling kind of like a, a limit kill, Mister? Yeah, yeah. He would play. <laughs> he would play the melodies, and I would be playing the rhythm on the guitar, and he would be playing the melodies on the bass. That's cool. That's cool. And I have I have a a deep admiration for bass players, and uh, you know, being a drummer. That's and if I'm in a band, that's who I'm married to. <laughs> I'm married to I'm married to that bassist, so I've I, we've got to have that that type of uh, relationship for the rhythm section of it. But man, those those are some you know Killing Joke. You know they're they're legendary. They're phenomenal. They've got some great you know a lot of great music. Like I said, I, I damn near jumped out of my chair when you <laughs> said <laughs> Billy Duffy, and and of course one of my favorite bands of all time, Seven Dust. I you know outstanding thank you very much for doing that you just, you just made my day right there <laughs> yeah I, back in back in college i was i was a dj myself so um and that was in the 90s when lots of these bands were coming up and i was doing interviews so i went to a lot of shows back there back then in the mid 90s and and seven dust rammstein when they were first starting um you know lords of acid uh, tons of them rage against the machine all of those bands starting in the mid nineties. You know, something that I mentioned, this is maybe a little bit off topic, but, uh, when, when I was, uh, when we were connecting on Facebook, I was reading your little title that you had up there and it said, <laughs> uh, I don't agree with what you have to say, but I will defend to the death your ability to say it mm-hmm. that, you know, and I'm like, did this guy serve in the military? <laughs> that's, that's something a vet would say right there. <laughs> No, no, um, no. I've I've always I've, I grew up during the the PMRC era in the eighties, um, so that's probably what influenced that whole idea. Um, no, my my dad ended up being in the army, but I never had any connection with the army. Well, it, I I just saw that, and I'm like, you know, this is before we 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 talked at all, and I'm just like, this he had to have served in the military. <laughs> he had to no. <laughs> you know, there's very few people that are that ha- don't have some type of military service that would say something like that, and and it just it, again it put a smile on my face. I'm like, he's right. It's, it, that's exactly you know that's what we need to to be like. Is I may not like what you have to say, but I'm, I'll fight to the death for your right to say it. Uh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. I, I think like for me, what I what I've said to a couple of people. I don't care if people are flying the Confederate flag because it makes it a lot easier for me to know who to stay away from. You start telling people to put it away in their own house, then you don't know who you're talking to. And that's a freedom of speech thing. If, if you hear somebody talking, if you're blocking them from talking the way they talk, then you don't really know who they are. That's, and it's, 
those are per- that I'm sorry, those words are, are profound, really. And it, it, I think it's it's something, especially in in the climate we're in right now, is that to me that's just tolerance. Yeah, I mean, definitely uh, for me, you know, po- um, government buildings—that's a whole separate issue. But you're talking sure. about somebody's home, somebody's car. Hey, put your flag wherever you want it. That way, I know who you are. <laughs> I don't and, have to and, guess. And, and at the same time, I don't—you don't have to look at it. Well, right. You can look the other way. Yeah. You know, and I'm I'm not gonna get all political because it's <laughs> God Almighty, I'll never shut up. But <laughs> so, uh, what's what's next for Raygun Girls? Is is there anything in the works right now, or is are, are we uh, kind of in a, a downtime between album cycles? Well, uh, as far as uh, down as much downtime as one can have when one is the only person promoting right. everything. <laughs> um, no, yeah, it's it's just uh, I've got I'm constantly trying to line up interviews uh, to sell the, to, to get people to hear this album. Selling the album is not as big of a deal for me as getting it heard. I want as many people to hear it as I can get. That's really my aim. Um, but I'm constantly making music, so there is stuff that that's one of the problems with being a one man band who has a studio in his home is that you can never stop making music and so it backs up um so i've got tons of music uh waiting at the same time i'm working on this titanosaur album which i hope to have done in uh and try to do it properly and send it out to people uh next month um so uh i'm working on finalizing that right now I, I think I would love to have that problem where I have a studio at the ready in my <laughs> house or, you know, in, in an adjacent building to on my property or something like that and go, you know what? I feel like writing today. I feel like uh, I feel like getting on my drum kit and, and beating the shit out of it. So, <laughs> but, and I, I'm a drummer. I can't write lyrics. I, you know, I, I have a very limited knowledge of melody and, and, and all that great stuff. I can rhyme like a motherfucker, but. Uh, you know, <laughs> the, the, the stanzas and melody go out the window you know, when I'm trying to write. And, uh, you know, I'm just like, you know what? I'll, I'll leave that up to somebody else that knows what their fuck they're doing. <laughs> I, I would love to be able to play real guitars. I'm only a good air, air drummer, you know, well, you know all the time. Hey, that's what I started off on. I started <laughs> off. I, I had a, I had, I had the Neil Peart set right in front of me. With uh, including the the electronic kit, I had that in front of me, and I just okay, cymbals are up here, toms <laughs> are here, let's go, <laughs> you know. So, and, and you know, graduated to beating pillows on the bed, and then you know, finally, eighteen years old, I get my first real drum kit. So, <laughs> it was it was off to the races after that. Uh-huh. Where can my listeners find you and Raygun Girls on social media? Um, I'm on Twitter all the time. The Raygun, R-A-Y-G-U-N, girls. Uh, also on Instagram, Raygun Girls. And then there's the website, RaygunGirls.com. And what kind of interaction can fans expect on social media from you? Oh, I'm I'm on Twitter all the time, so I'm constantly answering people. Absolutely, uh, I yeah, I, I love conversing. I love going back and forth. So, 
Yeah, uh, tell me my song is crap, and I'll have a conversation with you. I don't care. <laughs> and, and and I think you have the right attitude when it comes to that because you're going to have your detractors. Oh yeah. You're, you know you're gonna you're gonna have your people that want to see if they can rile you up or stir you up, something like that. And you know I, I think that it's it's great when you can look somebody you know hear or read something that's hey totally fucking negative. And say, you know what? Okay, you're entitled to your opinion, but here's why I disagree with you. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, music is very op- opinion based. Not everybody's it's subjective. Like it. Yeah, it's very subjective. Yeah, so <laughs> I'm all right with that. <laughs> Amen to that. And and I, I I can't thank you enough for for taking time uh, to come and talk with me. I I have learned a lot and. I appreciate the the struggles that you've had to endure uh, with with everything you've had to put up with in life, and it, I think it's a testament to your will as a human being, your determination to continue to do what you love to do, and I I, I have to tip my hat to you for that. Uh, I'm 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 turning red. Um, (laughs) gee thanks uh well i I feel that what what, what you were just saying uh sort of builds up to the last song you're gonna play i'm still alive um because that that really was me getting out some of the thoughts that i had about surviving three surgeries um and because of the heart condition i have um every day is sort of i don't want to say it but a gift um so it's sort of uh, a fuck you to to uh to being dead on the table on the operating table because i'm still alive i'm still here i i don't i don't want to harp on negativity or anything like that but uh you know with with the heart condition that you have is it? Are, are are you done with surgeries? Um, maybe not. Um, for the past two years, I've uh, been in heart failure. So, oh, son of a bitch, <laughs> I've been right on the border. Um, and the medication helped a little bit on the last test, but I got to take another test and to see if uh, I'm still on the plus side or if I slip back. Um, so I don't know what would happen if it went lower. I have no idea. But, uh, yeah, my mom died two years ago, which is also a lot of the songs on here on this album are about that. Um, she died because her heart gave out. So that's definitely a possibility. It's in the, it's in the genes. Well, nothing but good vibes and best wishes for you, sir, because, uh, you're doing something, you have a gift and being able to share it. (laughs) with the world and having having the balls to share it with the world especially how personal the songs are and you're giving because what you're doing is you're opening the door for the listener to come in to your life a little bit and 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 get an idea if not experience the anger and frustrations and and tribulations that you have to endure uh well yeah thank you uh yeah uh, this album is particularly personal um the whole thing set up in a certain way, uh, rip it away, 
that's the really just the anger part of the seven stages of grief. Um, and I'm still alive. I'm still here. So, and, and let's hope that it's for a long fucking time. Yeah, yeah. I'm planning to be here until I'm 120 playing music. So you know. Oh, I love that attitude. That's perfect. That is that is so fucking perfect, Jeff. I can't again thank you enough for for taking time for today's uh, program. And you know, like I said, you you had it seems like you have the right attitude. You've got that realistic look on life, and and you're you're doing something healthy, not only for your yourself but for a lot of people that listen to your music that may be struggling with something similar and again with the subjectivity of music it may be something completely different but it still rings with them on an intellectual level on a on an emotional level and when someone a band and an individual artist a musician puts everything of themselves into their music no matter how grim that's that is such an amazing thing to do oh thanks thank you very much uh i I never know what to say after something like that i'm the same way if somebody (laughs) somebody says something like that to me and i'm like quit blowing smoke up my ass (laughs) (laughs) you're so full of shit all right jeff i want to be super respectful of your time and we're going to close out the program with I'm still alive, which which Jeff kind of led us into. It's it's the struggle, and and it doesn't have to be a health condition. It could be a mental condition. Absolutely. It could be just it could be anything that you're you're having to face right now. I'm still alive, motherfucker, and you're not going to take me down. I love it. It's wonderful stuff. Make sure that you go and check out Reagan Girls. Where can they find your music? Uh, music.raygungirls.com that's the whole discography is there uh, otherwise stream it on any of the services just look look uh, search for it all right and and one last question before i let you go merch or is there merch for raygun girls yeah there is um and it's also up on the website uh, raygungirls.com merch and also on music.raygungirls.com you can find some shirts and sweatshirts up there yeah sweet so Especially in this climate right now, you know, and, and, and I understand that, that, you know, you're not able to go out and, and perform live and everything like that. But, you know, support the local music scene, whether whether they are, uh, I, I hate to put you in this category, I just can't think of it, a studio band, they're not able to, to tour for whatever reason. Or if they're a live band, they go out and, and do, do dates and things like that. Support your local music scene. Support the in the, the the independent DIY unsigned underground bands that make the music that drives our lives Definitely. support yeah. them as as much as you can. It could be as simple as a like on social media. It could be a follow on Spotify. It could be a song download, an album download, word of mouth. Talk about the band to your friends and family. The smallest thing could be the biggest a result in the biggest reward. Absolutely. All right, Jeff. Thank you very much for coming on the show. And we're going to close out the program with I'm Still Alive. And until tomorrow, Little Rage, out.